and honestly, when the, when I compare the feelings of you know something that I may be able to achieve individually, you know, at work or or in any other realm, versus how I feel when you know when someone else completely outside of me does something together in this network that benefits everyone, yeah, I get this sense of like swelling pride that I'm part of something bigger. Absolutely, you know? and it sounds it sounds like maybe cliche and a bit like bullshit, but to be honest, I'm really like a disciple about collective action these days. Absolutely. You know, I'm just loving it. I'm loving like everybody who just puts their hand up. And that's the coolest thing about this project so far. It's just getting a little bit of traction. And then suddenly people just from all over the place yeah. reaching out, even like yourself, you know, just coming forward and saying, you know, we'd like to be part of this or we're part of it with Masaka. And, and this is how we see our role to play. And I just think, God, it's so neat, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right, we are live. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the next edition of the Jira podcast. I hope this finds you all well. hope this finds you all safe. Uh, I am joined by uh, a new friend of Jira, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, Michael, hello. Hi. How are you doing? Nice how, how you doing, pal? Yeah, man, I'm good. Nice to be here. Good, man. Um, so... Obviously, we're going to be talking uh, more about what you do and what you have been doing uh, with Team Armani, but I think it's pretty important for our audience to gain a bit of context around how you and I got connected. So for you know previous listeners, um, uh, you will know that Giro as a shop supports Masaka Cycling Club. And so we had a podcast with Ross Burridge, who heads that up. Um, we got connected through Ross Burridge, through Curve, and it was a very simple thing of, you know, we had a bunch of, of kit that we were hoping to send to him, and we did. And the relationships just blossomed from there and really pleased to have met Ross. He's such a good dude. And then in turn, what he's doing with Masaka, uh, cycling club in Uganda. And that in turn has led to a relationship between Masaka and Team Armani. Now, this is where you come into play, Michael. Uh, That's right. So obviously, uh, you know, for, for, for our audience, you know, we've you know, announced that, you know, we've got some plans to really support Masaka this year. Um, but it's really wonderfully tied in with what you're doing with Team Armani. So I suppose, you know, uh, Michael, I'd love to just hear a bit of a background about yourself uh you are currently well you you're a i mean you can explain a lot better than i am but you live in the hague you're a lawyer a human rights lawyer um and you've you know set up team armani and the rest is history and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more so maybe a bit of background about yourself and then we'll start delving into team uh, team armani and uh and masaka well yeah i mean just briefly i um I moved to The Hague about 11 years ago. Yeah. I work at the International Criminal Court. And through my work at the uh, ICC, I spent quite a lot of time in East Africa. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it was through that experience that I, uh, I, I came to understand, you know, when I wasn't at work, uh, what was happening in the cycling scene, because that's also my hobby and, and, my, and my private passion. Yeah. Um, and... And yeah, just kind of a passive observer on, on, on how things were going. And, and, and funnily enough, just uh, because the, the, the work that I do uh, specifically at the court, uh, there's kind of an overlap with, we, we have a lot to do with uh, international development organizations. And, and I've seen um, a lot of what's happening there, um, both positive and negative. Yes. And um and then when I saw how it related to cycling, again, I was just, you know, passively observing, having never thought that I would be in any way involved. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just making mental notes over the years. And then um, fast forward to 2017 and uh, my, my home uh, bikes and coffee shop, Lola Bikes and Coffee, which I've been part of uh, in terms of building the the cycling club since the beginning yeah um the owner of it a good friend of mine asked if i wanted to step in with a couple of my friends to take it over cool and he uh he had started something uh, a relationship with kampala cycling club yes um in 2014 2015 and every time that i was traveling to uganda to do to work i would i would check in there and just see how it was going and um yeah, but again, not not personally involved. Yeah. Um, and and so when we took over Lolo, there we took over also that relationship. 
And it was there that I, I said, well, um, if, if we are going to do um, anything in, in, in East Africa, a place I just happened to know a bit about, mm. then we're going to do it right. Yes, um, and, so, and so we just kind of revisited all of those things um, and, and just took a, t- took a step back and, 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 I, and, I, and I wanted to start with the principle of, of listening, frankly, yeah. because I think what, what happens too often, if I can make a sort of general critique mm. without getting too far off topic with, with international development is that um, it's sort of value driven. The, the, the priorities are, are developed in Europe or in Western countries and then um, made to fit in the context in which they are uh, implemented. Yeah. And, and I think that's fundamentally the issue with international development. Absolutely. And it should, it should be the other way around, which is, and it's a bit simplistic, so just bear with me. But um, the idea is that you should start with consultation. Yes. Um, and, and when you start with consultation, then you hear truly what, what people are, uh, what they're in need of in terms of uh, whatever aim it may be that you're in. So if you're in, you know, educational development or you're in health uh, or, or, you know, any other kind of public work, in our case, cycling, yes. just start with what is it that, yes. is, that you need uh, to get cycling off the ground in your country. If, yeah. if you start with that question, it's, yeah. you'll, be amazed, you'll be amazed what you find. Yeah, 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 and when yeah. we ask that question, we, we almost, um, in, in Uganda, when we ask that question in Kenya, when we ask that question in Rwanda, um, the thing that came out of those consultations were racing opportunities, international yeah. racing opportunities. That's what they needed. Yeah. And so then we just said about, we thought, okay, well, we're well situated in the Netherlands, uh, a cycling Mecca. Uh, we have partnerships with even the Dutch cycling federation and, and various other networks. Maybe we can do something to create those cycling opportunities. Yeah. So, so nothing, you know, nothing monumental, nothing that's, you know, like, uh, that will ever afford us, uh, you know, high acclaim or anything, just something simple that seemed attainable. Mm. Um, and so that's how the project started. Yeah. A, re- a reprise of, uh, of what was already in the works. Cool. So, I mean, you know, obviously we want to get into to all of those sort of bits in, in detail. Um, it's been, it's been really great to sort of connect with you recently and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Um, Oh, for uh, for our listeners uh, who who don't know of Lola uh, bites, go check them out. Very much a kindred spirit of from Giro. Really cool coffee shop. Sell some great bikes. All about adventure and just kind of that community around the sport that we love. So go check them out. Um, it was a it was a, a nice coincidence that when we got connected. That uh, you know, obviously myself a Giro and yourself a Lola it was great. Um, so. Thanks for the the background. So let's kind of step into sort of Team Armani. So uh, for for regular listeners, they'll you know after hearing the podcast with Ross Burridge, um, you know that was this connection where Armani was a, a like a, a or Masaka was a sister club to Team Armani. So for customers who don't know, just break down in kind of simple form what is Team Armani and why does it exist. So I think maybe the easiest way to, to conceptualize it is that Team Armani or, or the Armani project, if you will. Yeah, the Armani project. Is, yeah, forgive me. The, yeah. No, no, no. It's, there is also a Team Armani, so it, yeah. you are forgiven. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of terminology, but, but in general, uh, the Armani project is really uh, not designed to displace um, the projects that are already underway, yes. well underway, and doing a great job in, yes. in the, the respective countries that we're working in. Mm. In fact, rather it's, it's meant to just kind of build on those gains that they have made and give them whatever support they need. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple of areas in, in some of the projects that we're launching where, you know, members of each of our sister clubs will come together and form a single team. And that's when there will be a team Amani. Yeah. Great. Right. So, and then we can talk a little bit about it, but there, there's a, you know, there's a project that brings some, some of the best young riders to, to Europe to get some exposure, not only with race, but also culture racing, I should say, and yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, and, and, 
and then there's another project with with respect to e-racing and then another project with respect to, to a gravel race so these are kind of three areas that uh, Amani, the Amani project is currently focused on. Yeah. And um, Masaka is uh, our representative in Uganda. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. And then and the reason for that is I, I met Ross during this process of, of our listening campaign. Yes. And uh, was just really, uh, I mean, Ross is just a legend. And um, yeah, he he's doing such a great job there. And, and, and all those guys in Masaka seem to be, you know, legitimately committed to to getting that sport off the ground in Uganda. And, and the best thing about it is that they're not in Kampala. Yeah. And Kampala is a, is, a, is a really cool city, but uh, it's very congested. And sure. it's a very difficult place to ride a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah, and and the fact that they're out of Kampala already is a massive leg up uh, yeah. in terms of their ability to uh, to to get road cycling off the ground. Very interesting. Yeah, so that was already a big coup for me, and then just to, I was just basically uh, you know I bought into Ross's enthusiasm. It's just uh, infectious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so for listeners who haven't, and um, please go back and, and listen to the episode. It's one of our early episodes with Ross. Uh, he runs a podcast called The Hidden Athlete, which is a really great podcast in and itself. Um, but you know, so for a bit of context, Masaka Cycling Club is 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 a, a grassroots you know club based in um, in Uganda. And Ross has been sort of involved in the development of it and growth of it. And it's been amazing to see, you know, for, for, for I mean, you know, I've been in and around cycling for, I mean, you know, 15 years from in a very serious basis. And, you know, in that, there's a lot of things that you just take for granted of, of what you have access to, whether it be the simple things of having access to a bike, to, you know, roads to go ride, to friends to ride with in teams and clubs. And Ross just saw this amazing opportunity. And please, uh, Michael, chime in if you feel that there's anything you can add. Like, but you know, Ross just saw this amazing opportunity to 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 support these, you know, this group of people that were really hungry to want to develop uh, their riding to higher and higher levels. And the support that we're talking about is not on the scale of of of, of national organisations that we have now, like British Cycling or Australian Cycling, which require huge infrastructure and millions of pounds and support and donors and, and marketing and all of this. It was a very simple. And as far as like finance goes, it was, it was you know, for, it, it, in, 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 you know, sort of Western context, you know, next to nothing. But what it could do out there was huge. But the impact that it was having on the individuals based in Masaka, plus the community around was, what well, was and is extravagant. And it has been, from Giro's standpoint, it's been an absolute honour to support Ross and what he's doing. Um, and to see some of, you know, the, the help that we have done so far, plus hopefully, you know, what our, uh, you know, sort of customer base and community will be able to engage with moving forward and the impact that it's having out there. Uh, and it's it's just amazing because it on, on, a, on a national level, it's having an impact. But for the individuals that are part of it, that suddenly have access to, turbo trainers that suddenly have access to a, a clubhouse which is being built at the minute that suddenly have access to bikes even to team kit that sense of pride that sense of opportunity that sense of hope is is just it's just amazing so obviously that's what ross is doing and then uh, you know in as you mentioned in your listening uh, you know sort of like project you 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 found him and and saw there was opportunity to help and support there so I suppose let's take it back a, a couple of steps because, you know, your work has taken you across East Africa. And I'd love to maybe kind of get into your mind a little bit to understand that moment or those moments where you realise, hang on a minute, there's, there's real opportunity here to do something of significance. There's real opportunity to kind of, you know, merge your two worlds of, of the work that you do plus the passion that you have for cycling. Um, had you seen other examples that were out there before, or was it something that you 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 felt that actually with the what the the means that was in your hands, there was opportunity to to do something do something significant? Well, I mean, I had to say with with all humility, I I, I didn't have like an aha moment. And, of course, and I and I sure as hell didn't have a clear plan when we started. In fact, yeah. like I said, um, 
by by design i didn't have a plan i thought yeah. that was the problem you yes. know uh, that that people come with their plans yeah. rather than asking yeah. and so and so but what but i so i thought maybe just the approach that i had seen work that i had i won't say that i successfully employed but this it's just something i believe in quite passionately with, with respect to my field that um, that the people impacted by um stakeholders in international development need to be consulted yes let's just keep it like that yeah amazing. and um and and i thought well what if we applied that here and then what i also noticed is that the while there were these amazing initiatives happening in in the different countries that that i was uh, working in it didn't seem that there was any cross-country collaboration mm. Which is which was a real shame in my view because yeah. you know all of this they're, they're facing the same challenges, um, and they were at different levels of development. But if 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 there was some way where we could get everyone to kind of coalesce and 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 focus together on these on these sort of cross cutting issues that were impacting everyone, mm. uh, sharing knowledge, uh, sharing the network, uh, and then trying to kind of yeah focus our resources, yeah, then potentially as a network yeah we could really maybe move the dial a little bit further and yeah. so that's 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 basically what we finally decided okay now i think maybe that's something we can try and then it just kind of built on itself you know we have we have great partners in rwanda and africa rising they've been doing fantastic work for a very long time yeah, and long they time, yeah. and they are I mean, they, their success and, and their results are, are, are difficult to argue with. I mean, Rwanda yeah. is uh, by far, in terms of our partnerships, Rwanda would be seen as sort of the most developed and, and their riders the strongest, yes. followed by Kenya and then followed by Uganda. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it's going in terms of, you know, the infrastructure, the buy-in from the national government, mm. um, federation responsibility, federation, you know, um, uh, support, yeah. um, resources, talent, everything. So yeah, it just kind of goes on that sliding scale, but to, to be able to draw on, so the expertise of, you know, Kimberly Coates and, and Jacques Boyer, and then all yes. these guys who are doing great work there and then lend that over to also what's happening, you know, with the Kenya riders and, uh, and, 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 you know, we have, we've got Kieran over there and, and various others who are, who are doing great work and have been for a long time. And then and then and then lend that over now to Ross and Masaka. Yeah. Uh, and just to give you a concrete example of how how it works, with, and Ross will, will be the first to tell you. You know, he's got these guys, but you know they have limited opportunities in terms of yeah. races. They're they're racing only the the guys who are turning up for for these local crate events or whatever it may be. Yeah. But now with this network, you know, he can send his best guys over to Kenya to do a training camp with riders that are better than them. Yeah, I see. And then they benefit from that knowledge, from that training ground, et cetera. Those, both the Ugandans and, and the Kenyans can go and tra travel to the Africa Rising Training Center and race yeah. with these guys from Rwanda. Yeah. Um, and already, it, I mean, it's still very much a work in progress. And I don't want to say that this is mission accomplished by any No, reason. no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but already, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's also, we, we, we can also tap into each other's sort of energy uh, yeah. storage pools, you know, yeah, because sometimes yeah, yeah. you can, you can get a bit frustrated with, with the barriers to entry and the lack of progress and the time it takes. And, and then when you, when you come and you add, you know, an energy source like Ross Barrage to the yes. mix. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's no matter how down you're feeling, uh, you know, uh, you, he just pumps you back up and, and, and the same with, you know, Kimberly and Jock and the same with Kieran and, and, and various others. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 a sort of kind of conceptualization of, of this initiative. So, I mean, on that note about Ross, the the he posted a video I think last week where he was you know handing over you know some some kit to some of his riders, and it's just this perfect example of of Ross because he was just the guy's just beaming. He's riding his bike, camera comes alongside next to him, and he's just got this huge smile, this bright orange helmet. Like, he's just this, oh, it, you're right. It's, it's very infectious. He's a good, good dude. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so so we've established, you know, kind of what's happening in Uganda, uh, what's happening in uh, uh, Rwanda and, and Kenya, and how some of those, you know, sort of are cross-pollinating and drawing, you know, kind of cross, you know, uh, cross nations. So how does that feed back to uh, 
Armani here in Holland? So where I suppose like where did the where does the the local connection start? Um, you know, with regards to support and engaging some of your the sort of the Dutch uh, riders, uh, etc. So we have uh, in our cycling club we have about 150 active members, and I'd say yeah, 30 or 40 of them are are sort of at the elite level, okay. uh, very very strong riders. Is this uh, but, sorry to interrupt? Is this Lola or is this Armani? So this it started with Lola. So we, yeah, we poached we poached the guys. <laughs> from, <laughs> Excellent. Yes. And, um, but 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 actually at the same time, you know the the one criteria that that we had there was that these are riders who are looking you know these guys have day jobs yeah they're not trying to make it to the world tour yeah sure and what we offered was to add a bit of meaning to their training yes you know um rather than just going and doing the grand fondo circuit or seeing if they could get a, a gold medal from the marmot this year mm. um we offered the opportunity to potentially do something bigger and be part of something bigger um and I think a lot of guys and girls responded to that, which was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, and, and we just had to articulate some of the challenges. And, and, and I guess one of the major challenges that, that we've seen um, with respect to why there aren't more uh, uh, African riders in the, in the world tour yes. uh, or even, even at, the, at the pro-continental level yes. is because... Um, well, there's a number of reasons, but the, the first one is that when they come for their audition, yeah. when and already to, to, to make it there is a, is, a, is a huge leap, right? Because you yes. would have had to navigate a very tricky and quite often sometimes corrupt national federation system, be noticed, be given the opportunity. But when you have that opportunity, that pressure is so high yeah. to perform on your yeah. first race and every race. Yeah. And then you're thrown into a mix where a, a cultural uh, immersion where you may be completely out of place. You don't speak the language. You don't know yes. how to get groceries from the local supermarket. Yes. And nobody is looking out for that kind of thing for you because yeah. they, they, nobody's hired to do that on these yeah. teams. Yeah. You know, That's they're right. focused, laser focused on performance. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. No. But the point is, is that there's nobody, I think the biggest issue we have at the moment, and, and I'm not one to assign, you know, um, responsibility, uh, sort of conscious responsibility for the lack of inclusion yes. in cycling. I don't I think understand. that there's a, an evil cabal of people yes. who are saying, let's just keep it white. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't believe that. I think basically what's happening is that people are just passive about it. They're mm. just saying, well, the best riders can just come and perform. And if they perform, they'll be given an opportunity. Yeah. But the problem with that is that there there are these sort of imperceptible barriers to entry that if you apply a passive approach, we'll never have a more inclusive sport. And I'm not just talking inclusive in the sort of fashionable ways of, of 2020, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also just talking about, you know, making our sport more international. Yeah. Because when you really think about it, even yeah. though we have things like the world championship, who's vying for the world championship? Well, yeah. probably six or seven countries. Yeah. yeah. Is that really a world championship? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, yeah. and, and I think um, if we want to see our sport, if you, if you truly love this sport, then you should want to see uh, its appeal grow. Yeah. You want, you want to see riders from all over the world participating yeah. in it because then, and only then, yeah. Can we really see, you know, what 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 is a human capable of mm. on a bike? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, right now, we only know what Europeans and and certain other countries are capable of, which mm. is also very interesting and exciting. But I mean, why yeah, not extend the franchise? Yeah, and and we've known what Europeans are capable of for you know over a century uh, on, on, on a bike that is. Um, I definitely want to come back to the uh, the statement you mentioned about, you know, kind of the inclusivity that we've seen uh, or the conversation around inf inclusivity that we've seen this year and into the, which has become very kind of in vogue, which I'd love to kind of dissect that a little bit more because it's a really important conversation. Um, but I, I suppose, you know, I absolutely hear and understand and agree with what you're saying because, I mean, so for example, I'm based here in the UK and, you know, whilst cycling has been a, uh, a relatively popular sport in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, it really has boomed and we're still seeing this boom. So for a young person to decide or, or ha let's say have a talent, 
in real terms, there's a very clear route to developing that talent. And then with the aspirations that if you're good enough, you might be able to become a professional. And that is in the UK, that's relatively new. I mean, you, you know, if, if, if you look at, if you take somebody like, I mean, one of in recent years, one of our most famous writers, Brad Wiggins, you know, when he started, he was, he was a weirdo, you know, because he was the guy who was, you know, wearing Lycra, shaving his legs. Uh, you know, back then that was, whilst there were a lot of people doing it in the UK in proportion to the size of it is now, it was nowhere near that. Mm. So for a young person now to, to, not be seen as strange if they choose to have cycling as a hobby is it was a very big step forward but it's fairly normal um and similar to other sports if you play football if you're good enough you work your way up through local teams to you know hopefully get scouted and the route forward so i really it's a really good conversation to have and you know around you know for some of these guys coming from these countries where that's not the normal it's not just a case of you know well hopefully you get noticed it's a completely different culture shift. And it's great that there are people, you know, like yourself and the project is that is trying to address that to say, how can we break down some of these barriers that actually we're just taking for granted? You know, Europeans, you know, if you look at the, you know, the biggest race in the world from the world championships to the tour, to the Giro, to the Vuelta or the classics, you're right. If you look at the, the winners lists, it's not many countries over the last... 50, 60 years compared to how many the potential there is. And then also, I think it's fair to draw the comparison of athletics. You know, in the last 20 years, we've seen that rise in East African, um, you know, you know, athletes coming to the fore and changing the game. I mean, look at what Elia Kipchoge had done in the last couple of years. So that's that's a really important point. And I think it's 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 a thing that kind of galvanizes us. So where Elliot Kipchoge trains. Yes. Is a place called Iten, Kenya. It's in the Rift Valley. Um, and in the same town is where the Kenyan riders are based. Oh, amazing. In fact, just down the gravel road. Yeah. Uh, and so there is this whole sort of celebrated, you know, culture yeah. around, around athletics, as you say, because they've had champions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and once you have a champion, yes. you inspire the creative minds of the youth to say, yes. I, I, if he can do it, I can do it. Too. I can do that. It's real. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a dream. It's real. And, and in every young Kenyan's mind, you know, they're thinking, especially those guys, those guys growing up in the rift, are thinking, I can, I can go and, and, and be, you know, internationally famous and renowned. Uh, I can be an athlete. I have an option here. Yeah. And, and so, that's really important because I think now there's a seed planted where um, sport can be a thing that uh, leads to potentially is an avenue out of out of poverty. It's yes. also it's a it's a way of life. It's a, it's it brings you know sort of practical benefits yeah. um, and and there are cultural um, examples not exactly so not cycling but of of sport um you know of it being sort of mainstreamed into the the kenyan culture yeah so people have a frame of reference they know that okay cycling could be like running yeah and we know all of our runners you know they're all famous guys so maybe you know if our cyclists break through we may know them too you know So that's it's a starting point, and yeah. there's still a lot to do. But it's better than having, you know, uh, I guess no tradition of yeah. you know yeah. athletic greatness because that would Absolutely. be something a little bit harder to overcome. I'd say. Absolutely. Can, can I ask a question around the work that you have done? Uh, you know, as uh, you know, in the ICC, have you seen where sport? and the success of individuals has had a, a positive impact or any impact, I suppose the question is, around the wider context of, of, of corruption uh, at, some of these, at some of these levels that we are discussing? Well, I've seen it go both ways. Okay, fine. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I suppose it's just, I mean, if, if that, that whole, you know, concept of, you know, does the tail wag the dog? Uh, does it, you know, do, does it change? Does it, does it have an impact? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and, and I won't mention specific countries, but I, I would say that there, there are instances where, where 
athletes who be, become, you know, personalities in their countries yes. gain a political platform and therefore have something to say with respect to corruption and with, with respect to the, how their country is operating. Yeah, of course. And they may either use that platform for change to, 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 to better the country or they may use that platform to be part of that apparatus. Okay, fine. I understand. Uh, so I've seen it go both ways. But, but maybe a broader point, um, and this is something I kind of played around with a little bit when I was, I was talking to Gus Morton okay. on his podcast, but um, he asked me a very interesting question about um, the role of sport in, in post-conflict um, societies. Mm. Mm. And I thought, I thought that was a very interesting question because, and the more I think about it, the more I do think that we do have um, all of us um, this energy um, in that in the modern age where there is less war, thank God. Um, and there, and let, well, let's say not less war, but war is increasingly uh, is seen as not, um, it's not beneficial for, yes. you know, economic uh, prosperity. It's not in the, it's not in step with modern trends of in, in interconnected world, etc. Yeah. The fruits um, of war are becoming clear. Exactly. Yeah. So, but but men especially you know have been you know sort of they have been inculcated or encultured into this idea that to to prove yourself especially in, in a lot of the societies uh, that we work in but in, in, in my own country uh, to prove yourself you do so in battle right or you do yeah, so yeah. you know and increasingly you see that that sport is kind of taking that space you yes. know and it's an avenue a channel yes. to to put that energy somewhere that that society deems is appropriate yes and and in in countries where conflict is a lot more um well it's a lot more present in their in their minds and their memories than it is in some of our countries yeah um and where yeah where even within the last 20 years, uh, every single country that, uh, that I've mentioned and that, uh, that I've worked in have been involved in some form of war. Yeah. Um, to, to offer another outlet for, yes. for that energy. And yes, absolutely. To, to, to channel that energy in a way that society in the modern world deems is, is acceptable and appropriate, and, but allows that same competitiveness mm. allows men to still have a place in society and mm. potentially even shine vis-a-vis -vis each other in that sort of peacocky way that we need to. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing to think about. And, and, and it kind of motivates me a bit. Uh, mm. You were talking a little bit about the cross section between my day job and this, and, mm. and I, it's still kind of a very rough idea in my mind, but uh, something I just kind of want to sort of keep tabs on as we go forward in the, over the years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I really um, appreciate and, and uh, admire, you know, you said something earlier about, you know, with some of your guys in, in Holland, this understanding that they get to be a part of something bigger. That's so significant. And, you know, let's take cycling out of the equation, but just for an individual to have a, a, a moment of reflection in any walk of life. And it's great that we get to do it around a sport that we love in cycling, but to be, they realize that actually they can play a part of, of a bigger story than just themselves, <laughs> a bigger story of, of the, 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 the challenges they're facing, a bigger story of the successes they're going through, no matter who you are, if you get down to that reality of, of that, you are a small part in, in a bigger picture, that's very humbling. And that can have a, it's amazing because it's that kind of like, you know, that continuous circle that not only can that have an, a, an impact on the individual that's going through that, you know, kind of uh, recognition, but it's also having an impact of some of the projects that you're involved with and some of the hope. I mean, we're talking about, you know, you know, these, these countries that have had, you know, recent conflicts and just through the beauty of riding a bike can give an outlet, as you say, to that, to what previously has been used or what previous has been abused uh, in a destructive manner, being twisted and turned into more of a productive manner and, a, a, and, and, and an outlet that can have a huge impact in not only their own lives, but also their local community. And as we've seen, you know, if we extrapolate that further, you know, with, with, with athletes like, you know, Elliot Kipchoge on a national and international level, that is powerful. And I love that. And, and all from the simple act of 
expanding the the possibilities of what you can do on a bike and the community that comes from it. Jordan, I have to say, I hope this is like the big correction that comes from this younger generation. You know, I think there was a big yeah. push maybe when we were growing up, to, yeah. especially especially in the States about, you know, individual expression. And, you know, we just, we, we had to always kind of distinguish ourselves from the crowd and we had to shine on our own. And I'm increasingly of the view that uh, that's a lonely place to be. And it's not, very, it's not very satisfying, no matter what you achieve. Absolutely. Because ultimately, you know, if you don't get other human beings involved, yeah. then really how, how shiny can you be? Absolutely. Uh, and, and honestly, when, the, when I compare the feelings of, you know, <laughs> something that I may be able to achieve uh, individually, uh, you know, at work or, or in any other realm versus how I feel when, you know, when someone else completely outside of me does something uh, together in this network that benefits everyone. Yeah. I get this sense of like swelling pride that I'm part of something bigger. Absolutely. You know? And it sounds, it sounds like maybe cliche and a bit like bullshit, but to be honest, I'm really like a disciple about collective action these days. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm just loving it. I'm loving like everybody who just puts their hand up. And that's the coolest thing about this project so far. And it's just gained a little bit of traction. And then suddenly people just from all over the place, yeah, reaching out even like yourself you know just coming forward and saying you know we'd like to be part of this or we're part of it with masaka and, and this is how we see our role to play and i just think god that's so neat yeah. you know yeah uh and what maybe with together all of us you know you know focused on on a singular uh task a singular challenge you know we might even achieve it who the hell knows yeah you know well, <laughs> I, I mean look I, I i believe we will you know I, and and i think that you know, not to get into these deep philosophical conversations, although I'd happily go there. Uh, as I just mentioned in supporting what you're saying, like on all levels, that collective action plays a part, not only in a broader scale, but that individual scale um, is amazing. And you're absolutely right. I, we are not designed to be alone. We are not designed to, you know, I believe that our that our individual roles in a community, no matter how big or small, is to uh, support, uh, encourage, and shine a light on other people's attributes, not your own. Because if if I'm doing my best to try and bring out the best in you, I'm, I would hope that someone else is trying to do the same for me. And that can be on a very, very small local level. And yet, if we're pulling our resources together, you know, I mean, look, you you run a, 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 a you know, you have a coffee shop in, in in Holland. I have a coffee shop in the UK. If we can pull our resources together and have an impact, and try and bring out the the best, and try and bring out the most positive attributes in what's happening in, as in, in for example, use Masaka, man, that's powerful. And the reality is, it doesn't take much, but the impact's huge. It doesn't take much at all. The world is becoming smaller and smaller through technology, through, well, I was going to say travel, but nobody's traveling at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is incredibly significant. And, I've, and, I, and I'm very grateful that, that we can be a part of it. Uh, I'm very uh, humbled as well, you know, that, that, there are, that, that we can do something great and hopefully share it with our communities. And, and you know what else is nice about it is that it's tangible. You know, Absolutely. With, with your work with Masaka, you'll, you'll very easily see um, mm. a, cl- a clubhouse is being built. Yeah. Uh, you have guys who, who are going to be, you know, competing on, uh, in Zwift racing league, yeah. you know, yeah. who, who wouldn't have even known that such a thing existed last yeah. year. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. And, within and, a year. Within a year. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and potentially now they have an outlet. They can be noticed yeah, by talent scouts and various other things. Mm. They can see how they are, vis-a-vis international competition yeah. things yeah. they never would have had a chance to do before yeah and that's all you know due also to to your support from zero cycles and mm. and, and 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 getting that masaka mm. uh, project off the ground which is uh, really commendable well i mean the just to kind of put out and you know uh, th- this year we are going to be doing a lot more with masaka now and now the anywhere who's listening now more information will be released over the coming weeks and months we're just kind of working in the background to 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 establish how best to do it but just to kind of put it into context um as you know uh, you know one of the things that we've been pushing for the last six months is is just a, a monthly donation so a monthly donation from from like a standing order and it's a little as like a pound a month which is nothing you know price of a cup of coffee you know three pounds a month five pounds a month and jira is a business we we're putting in a hundred pounds a month um 
which, you know, look, as a coffee shop, you know, it's not a huge amount of money um, and it's, you know, very reasonable. As soon as we set that up, and this was, you know, uh, towards the end of the summer last year, Ross sent me this message saying, uh, you, you've set up a hundred pounds a month. Is that correct? Like that seems that, you know, is, is that, you know, were you supposed to do 10? I was like, no, a hundred. He's like, bro, this is huge. And I mean, like, just to put it into context, like a hundred pounds a month for a business. I mean, that's, that's like a, you know, it's a small expense, you know, for us and, you know, compared to kind of what we, you know, <laughs> what we spend on coffee each month, for example. Of course. But the impact that it's having there. And, and so, you know, for, we can go into the details, you know, at another time about what's happening in Masaka, but that's some, that contribution is going towards building them a clubhouse to allow these local riders to train. And, you know, uh, Wahoo, I know have supported them with some, with some trainers and suddenly these guys are now, and the reason I'm saying this, because, you know, the, you know, we're going to be racing on Zwift. And as part of what you do and part of your project with, 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 with Armani is you select and invite uh, some of the top riders from, uh, you know, these sort of three clubs over to Europe to try racing, to get real racing experience and to offer the support, which you mentioned around, you know, kind of that culture shift uh, and, you know, kind of having, you know, somebody, you know, take, take them under their wings to kind of show them how it's done and really kind of take some of that pressure off so that they can just go out and ride their bike and see where the potential goes. So do you want to expand on that a little bit about what you do? Yeah. yeah. Just, just for, for, for your listeners uh, sake, just to, to be able to follow, there's only three projects that the Amani project is really focused on at the moment. Yeah. One of them is called, we hashtag it, Just Race. So this yeah. is the one that's focused on going to our sister clubs. We don't select the riders. Uh, they select the riders that they think are most benefit from, from the opportunity of racing in Europe. Yeah. Um, so Masaka, Kenyan riders, and uh, Africa Rising, they send those guys to us. And we, for a month, racing block uh, two times a year, uh, we pair them with uh, riders from from Holland uh, that are also, like I said, you know, kind of elite level riders. Those guys are going to be riding together under the same, you know, team Amani racing local crit races, focusing on, you know, technique and, and cornering and, and all of these things that, you know, things that are really unique to, to racing in Holland, especially. Yeah. Uh, a lot of headwind, uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of terrible weather, things that uh, some of these guys won't be used to. And then, you know, uh, they, they kind of in the process of, of doing these local races and, and, and things that they kind of, hopefully the idea is that they, they get an opportunity to have some cross-cultural dialogue. Yeah. Our guys can help them understand a little bit about, you know, the ins and outs of living in Europe and, yeah. and, and how to sort of traverse all the strange things like shopping at the Albert Hein to riding a tram to, you know, getting on a train to Belgium to do a race and getting back in the same day, all of these things. Right. Yeah. And then, but in a low pressure environment. So nobody's going to, there's not a single race that they have to, you know, you know, do well in otherwise, you know, they're going to be sent home or anything like that. Yeah. And, and then ultimately the, the training block will, will culminate in one big sort of marquee event where, where we hope that their talents will be showcased. Yeah. And even if they're not, so even if they get their wheels blown off, they know what they got to do when they go home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they got a chance to see the the level of competition, and if they if they do shine, then people will take notice. Yeah. So that's that's the main project. Uh, yeah. that, that those are two racing blocks a year. Yeah. Obviously, with COVID last year, that whole project got turned no, into well, yeah, of course. And so we were sort of you know um, searching uh, for something to to salvage the season. Yeah. And then, like everybody, I think we we at first reluctantly turned online, and then we realized quite quickly that the online platform ticked a lot of boxes for us. Works really well, yeah. Yeah, it, it, mainly what it does is that um, while our main model is an opportunity for only a few people, right, and and it's and it's quite sort of resource intensive. Uh, the online racing if you outfit a clubhouse, you can potentially offer international racing opportunities for yeah. the entire team yeah. rather than just the one or two elite guys. And that's for the cost of, you know, flying one of them to Europe, yeah. not, let alone the month of hosting them and, and all the race entry fees and all the other things. So economically uh, and for, from a sustainability perspective, online racing and online training using, you know, because another thing is, is that 
a lot of the times when when scouting uh, talent scouts etc are trying to find out whether or not um, people are worth investing in yeah. the tools for you know sort of uh, diagnostic testing sort of scientific testing is aren't available yeah. so when you ask somebody what their FTP is well they, they don't have any idea yeah. um, and and now <laughs> You can not only for, for talent scouts will will our individual clubhouses be able to say quite clearly and, and, and verifiably what somebody's FTP may be. Yeah. But in terms of devoting their own resources to who's worth investing in and who they should be, you know, in, in, enrolling in their own training programs. Yeah. They can they have a quick tool that they can put a kid in from school and just say, hey, you know, do this, uh, do yeah. this 20 minute test real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, it's a really interesting opportunity for us. And the more we get into it, the more we get excited about it. And yeah, like you said, Wahoo made a, made a really cool investment mm. in our project. And so now we, we're going to outfit, uh, Kenya has been online now for, for about six months mm. and, and they're riding in our race team. A, a team of money has a, a team A and team B race team. And we also have an event every Thursday night, which we see as more of a kind of, social and cultural event where people can communicate and talk to each other, get to know each other, share stories, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and then, um, Rwanda should be online this week. Oh, cool. And we're, and we're really looking forward to that because oh, that's can, amazing. We can use the extra firepower, uh, and the today <laughs> especially. <laughs> and then, uh, and then hopefully when, yeah, when Masaka has their clubhouse built, we yeah. have the trainers ready. So, uh, it's just a matter of getting that, uh, that finished and then, and then we'll have you going online as well. I mean, we'll post some, some photos of the Masaka, uh, cycling club in, in progress, but, um, you know, I mean, this is a, it's a really good conversation just to put into context as to kind of how how you know kind of like people over over here you know can can help and support. Um, I really, you know, as much as I prefer riding outside, uh, it's amazing what a tool online racing has become, and obviously Zwift is you know kind of the largest example of that. And of course, you know, we were if it wasn't for COVID. Um, you know, the world championships in 2020, and I'm presuming it's still the same for 2021. It was the first year they were going to have a, uh, an e-bike or not an e-bike, but a, 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 a an indoor training, um, mm-hmm. like an online, you know, kind of like race, like world championships. Yeah. I mean, talk about making the world smaller that you don't need to kind of have, you know, qualifying points because you've been on the world tour. You can, you can be, you know, strutting your stuff at, at home or whatever it is. And, 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 you know, sort of prove, and that's like another wonderful, avenue that it can create some great change somewhere so i mean credit to the you know you know the the powers that be to for kind of opening up those type of opportunities totally yeah um you mentioned something earlier on and i'd love to kind of you know discuss that a little bit um you know uh, obviously you know with the backdrop of 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 coronavirus you know, our, you know, kind of society as a whole have been through a huge amount, but one of the most notable things that happened, you know, kind of in the, in, in, in the UK, Europe, and well, globally, really, let's face it, uh, was the, you know, conversation around, you know, Black Lives Matter. And a lot of people in the cycling community, you know, were very strong and prepared to kind of hold up a mirror to say, you know, let's look at this sport in real terms to say what is, is this an inclusive sport? Yes or no. And I know that, you know, we're not here to kind of point fingers or to kind of apportion blame, but it's more a case of, you know, what can be done. That conversation, you know, leads on to, you know, the influence and the power of social media. And I suppose, you know, and you and I spoke about this at length on the phone um, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, our reason for wanting to get involved with what we're doing with, with Masaka well, it's not so much not so much the reason behind it, but it's more anything we do. We want to make sure that it's leaving a legacy, that it's not just on trend at the moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we were supporting Ross at Masaka before you know lockdown. We had sent him kit in 2019. Um, it was just a way that we could do something small. You know, for people to and organisations. You just mentioned that Wahoo have offered a big support to 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 what you're doing and what Armani's doing in these different projects. I suppose it can be very quick to make for people to make token gestures, and and it can be um, uh, the right thing to do from like a quote unquote marketing standpoint. 
But where do you filter out that between people who are just doing it to show that they are ticking a box? And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, obviously, hopefully it's a good thing. But where do you filter that out and bringing along partners that actually are passionate about seeing real change in a sport that we love and also in these communities? I think you just have to have a, a sort of no-nonsense, no-bullshit talk with with people that may be your prospective partners. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that uh, there, there was a tendency. We, we've also been involved in this project is, is older than uh, the latest iteration of the Black Lives Matter movement, which, yeah. uh, so, I mean, obviously Black Lives Matter has been around since at least 2014 yeah. and, and done amazing things to, to bring these issues to yeah. all of our attention. Absolutely. Um, but I, our project was in, in no way sort of uh, related to, to, to that or, or in response to an opportunity that may have uh, come about because that suddenly became popular uh, mm. in the spring. Mm. Um, what we've done at least is that let's face it since the spring the attention from the cycling community has been a lot stronger to projects like ours yes um but i can say uh, the partnerships that we have made um have all been made in really good faith i can say because yeah, and, and, and and one thing that we we've, we've done is so there may be that certain aspects of our project are more appealing to to certain you know uh, brands in the cycling industry but we we won't and we haven't allowed anyone to sign on for you know a particular short-term initiative yes because we don't we don't want to be handing out fig leaves yeah um and, and if you do that and and, and also the, you know with the, the power of social media is, is it's very powerful but at the same time it it also allows for this kind of fleeting activism where yeah. you know you can just be an activist on a Tuesday and then an activist for a different cause on a Wednesday and it's all yeah. very nice but um, but it doesn't result in any change because yes. uh, there's not enough bandwidth or enough uh, attention span to stay on topic long enough for meaningful change to arise yeah and we're really sort of allergic to that kind of shit yeah. and um and so the way that we, we work around it is that every partnership that we've made has been a partnership in the project. So not, yeah. not in a particular initiative. Um, you have to sign on for the project as a whole. You have to say, you know, in, 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 in the written agreements that we had that we've made with our, with our different uh, partnerships that you, you uh, sign on to this goal of greater inclusivity. Yeah. We're not going to achieve these goals this year. Yeah. You know, not achieve them in the way that you know, and with a with a capital A, uh, a it's yes. it's going to take time. Yes, um, we have short term gains, but uh, but but we need partnerships that that are that are lasting. And people have, and it, it can't just be also at the same time. Well, there's always going to be overlap in terms of corporate interest, mm. and that's fine. By the way, yeah. um, in fact, I think some of the most uh, you know, successful campaigns um, are ones that allow corporations to benefit as well, because then it's not just um, you're not just relying on you know passion, which yeah. in its in its nature dissipates. Yes, right. You can't sustain a level yes. of interest and passion for years and years long enough to move the dial. Yeah. But if you can if you can tie that you know that moral obligation. Okay, so I'm saying. Yes, I agree that this sport should be more inclusive. Yes, this sport, it needs proactive uh, engagement in order to make it more inclusive. And I see a potential financial interest from my corporation in being on the right side of history. Yes. Well, that is a recipe, I think, for, for actually making meaningful and sustainable change. Yeah. Um, so um, while, while we're trying uh, our best to make sure that people are, are in it for the right reasons, um, we're also, you know, very open to, you know, exploring avenues where, um, you know, corporations can also stand to gain. We're trying to say there's, there's a whole market, for example, in East Africa. Uh, yeah, people have an idea, yeah. for example, it's like, a, you know, it's still going to be like this live aid scene, you know, with like yeah. kids malnourished and stuff. And there are lively capitals in these countries yeah, with, you know, with a burgeoning middle class who yes, yes, also yes. want to buy e-trainers and they also want to buy gravel bikes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so 
you know, let's 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 make it interesting for you as well, because that that money and that interest will also percolate down to yeah. creating that culture of cycling that will ultimately be necessary to to make change. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's great. It's great hearing that. I mean, as I say, from 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 you know our standpoint. I mean, I, I've been you know relatively you know outspoken in the past about the dangers of social media hype, and because you have very well intentioned people that can promise a lot. But in the long run, they may not be able to sustain that. And you're right, you know, passion does dwindle. So it's a case of, you know, well, let's collectively make sure that we are pooling resources that we can sustain. Because, the, I mean, in this case, at the other end of this are people that are, re- that are not relying on, but greatly benefit from some of the engagement that we are, that, you know, that, that we can support. And if that dwindles, then it's like, well, what the hell was that about? And that that loss of faith in in in, in support and and humanity really is a, is a real shame. So, um, you know, we feel you know very grateful that you know we can kind of get behind something um, that is is significant and not just a flash in the pan. This is cool, um, and it's great that it could potentially change the face of a sport that we really love. Jordan, what you just described is is the power dynamic that underlies international development in my view yeah okay where it's like it's here today gone tomorrow yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then you you create this dependency model yes where yes where people don't um they're, they're constantly looking for this next thing that may come and and it's always a thing that sort of the, the initiative or the idea of the of, of the intervention originates in another place yeah. And and I, I think I, I gave you this analogy the other day but you know when, when it comes to for example um donation of, of, of certain things um sometimes people will in good faith want to donate whatever it may be that they have um and it may not be the thing that these guys need yeah but they'll take it anyway yeah and not because you know they're just greedy yeah it's because they're trying to foster a relationship yeah and they realize quite clearly the power dynamic the economic power dynamic in this case Mm. that well the thing you're offering may not be the thing i need if i uh, foster a relationship with you at some stage maybe i'll have the opportunity to tell you what i in fact need and maybe you would be well situated to provide it yeah when Um, when as you and what you started out by saying in this conversation is let me find out what you need as opposed to here you go indeed that's amazing like that's really powerful yeah so i mean i suppose the question is you know well i mean i know we've touched on it you know loosely but with some of these projects, including Masaka, what do they need? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's that's a conversation that you really need to talk to uh, and have with Ross and, and yeah, with, cool. your, with your community because he's he's you know laser focused on on Masaka and and, yeah. and we now are are really focused on these kind of three you know big projects. I haven't mentioned the third one yet, which is the migration gravel race. Yeah, let's talk about but, that. But yeah, but just to finish on that point, uh, I mean, in general those those conversations are happening yeah. ross is having those conversations he's well and, and it's also happening in kenya it's also happening in rwanda yeah and, right now, and, and the way that it's working now is that we just sort of uh we benefit from that by by hearing you know from from ross yeah. and, and others you know what 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 the what those interests may be now yeah with respect to to mgr um <laughs> yeah so the idea behind the gravel race uh came about uh, in a meeting I had with the, the DS from the Kenyan riders and at the time was telling me that um, their development team was uh, was under some financial uh, pressure and we, we they were they were a project that has so much uh, has so much potential we just we, we couldn't let it fail so we started thinking creatively about independent revenue streams yeah. for uh, for cycling development and you know look cycling is is unstable the financial model is unstable <laughs> at the world at the world tour level yeah. as we all yeah. well know it's, it's so, yeah, so yeah. at the at the development uh, so at the in developing countries it's 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 a hundred times worse so you have you know corporate interests that are that are interested in fo- in, in financing you know particular races but let alone whole seasons yeah. and so you have everybody who's involved in development you know, just so fixated on, on, on securing the, the necessary finances that they don't have the time or the energy to really invest in, in 
finding the new talent and, and, and once they have that talent, honing the talent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, this was the, this was the big puzzle. And, uh, and the question was how, how to put the, these development teams on, on more sure financial footing so that they can really focus on um, rider identification and development. And because I, I spent, I spent quite a lot of time in Kenya and, and then together with, with Simon, we just were brainstorming and just thought, well, why don't we just put on like, you know, a world-class gravel event in, yeah. in, in Kenya? Yeah. There's, they have more gravel roads than paved roads. And it's huh. one, of them, one of the most diverse uh, and topographically beautiful countries in all of Africa. Yeah. So, uh, and then we just started kind of, you know, daydreaming about, you know, the, the beautiful national parks in Kenya. You know, Lion King was set in one of these parks, you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's really, they're really storybook level, you know, beauty. And, yeah. uh, and, and we settled on, we settled on the Mara. We thought uh, it had the diversity that's, uh, that would be required in, in the, in the gravel infrastructure. So, and then we, we brought on some, uh, just this, uh, amazing logistical guy who's been, putting on these uh, big events, uh, big sort of uh, adventure sport events in, in Kenya for 20 years. Okay. And uh, it all kind of came together. And Brilliant. the idea, the idea behind it really is to, well, I told you that the, our first project is to bring, you know, the cream of the crop to, to Europe. Uh, yeah. It's obviously limited by, Very difficult. You know, <laughs> it's difficult to do. It's financially <laughs> yeah. intensive, yeah, yeah. but why not? And, and, you know, again, those guys are under so much pressure to perform while their Belgian and Dutch counterparts just go home after the race. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. Um, and if they don't do well, well, shit, they'll just try the next day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so why not turn the table a little bit and, and have these international riders come travel to Kenya, you know, be, be in these guys' backyard, uh, mm. be, you know, feel a little bit out of sorts, be mm. at 2000 meters of average elevation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then, you know, try and compete there. Uh, and then in that way, by bringing that international competition home, we can achieve two things. You know, we were, we were touching on it a little bit with Elliot Kipchoge, the idea that, you know, you need to see these heroes, you need yes. to be able to touch and feel them. And so you can inspire the next generation. And so having yes. these, you know, big international stars come and race in Kenya, we hope will, will inspire that kind mm. of, uh, yeah, engagement from, you know, children on up. Um, and then also we just can afford uh, more people to come and get involved uh, from the local levels because um, because the race is local. So all they got to do is turn up, you know, and if they're sufficiently good uh, and they're selected, then they'll get a chance to race against uh, some of the best in the world. So it takes, it takes, a, it takes a lot of boxes. So what is the race? Is it, is it, a, is it a multi-day? Is it a one-day? Yeah, so it's a it's a four day stage race. Yeah. Um, it, so it can't be overnight, like you know the Atlas Mountain Race, for example, because uh, well sure. there are there are animals. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's funny. And, and those animals. We're, we're not we're not we're not talking about foxes here. We're talking no, about yeah yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, and so we have to we have to keep uh, the racing limited to the daytime hours and um, <laughs> yeah. We have a we have a great buy-in from from some of the local Maasai guys uh, who will you know do everything from you know providing security from from animals to oh, to, to, to resources to wow. logistics to everything really really nice uh, really cool and also a great cultural experience for anyone who who aren't familiar with the Maasai yeah um so yeah four day stage race um it's, the, it's 650 kilometers total uh, eight thousand meters of climbing yeah average at two thousand meters elevation I, I did a recon um in late october early november oh amazing and, and uh it, i can tell you it's a it's a serious event <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, on more than one occasion, I was broken into pieces, uh -huh. but, um, uh, both both physically and mentally. But it, I think it's got it's got uh, all the right elements, and and so far, so we we um, the the race is scheduled for the twenty third to twenty sixth of June two thousand twenty one. Great. We we already closed uh, registration um, on the fifteenth of January. We had a great. Uh, really great uh, registration in terms of in terms of people buying into it uh, way more than we could handle yeah um, which is which is already uh, a really good sign in terms of the, I guess the message is, is sort of resonating with people yeah and yeah in terms of, of the participant list I mean we have some names that people will be well familiar with 
and um, some some world tour riders, some some gravel uh, uh, champions, and then we, and then from the East African side, we have you know national champions of Uganda, Rwanda, Kenya. We have winners of the tour of Rwanda. We have the first African ever to ride Perry Roubaix last year, who's coming oh, amazing. to ride this race. So amazing! Uh, yeah, really, it's uh, it's very exciting. And and the way that we're doing it is that we want it to be you know almost 50-50 uh, international and East African, so that we can really let it be a kind of, um, you know, a, a, an opportunity for, for, for these guys to really race against some of the best and, and also for there to be some cross-cultural dialogue. And, and I'm sure, you know, at the campfire every night uh, at the end of the stage, some, you know, a lot of people's preconceived notions on both sides will be dispelled. Uh, yeah, that's when, beautiful, when, man. When, when they're sharing a beer together and talking oh. about how hard the stage was and then they realize actually, there's a lot that everyone has in common when it comes to yeah. cycling. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I think we all love about cycling. You know, you can, you know, on a, I love that on an international level, you can, you can, you know, in the context that you just said, you know, it's just this wonderful leveler and you realize that you can share a passion and there's more similarities than there are differences, which is, and anything we can do to champion that is great. You know, like even on a local level with, with our club rides, you know, you can have somebody that is a big shot in the city riding right next to somebody that is opposite end of the spectrum. And it doesn't matter because they're sharing something they love and there's more similarities than there are differences in that moment. And that is, uh, I just love that. I think that's amazing. Me too. Yeah. Very cool. Well, look, I won't take up much of your time. Um, Michael, thank you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate, uh, obviously you're giving the time, but I really appreciate and I'm thankful for, for, for what you're doing. Um, you know, it's great, you know, for our you know audience to put a bit of context into kind of where we're supporting uh, Masaka. We'll make some of those things a little bit clearer over the sort of coming weeks when I do a podcast with another podcast with Ross to talk a bit, little bit more in detail about what he's doing and how we at Jira can support. But, you know, it's great that Jira can partner up with Armani. And just so the, just our audience is kind of like clear, like, you know, we are partnering with Armani and, you know, and, and supporting you know, what's going on. Our focus and our support will be going directly to uh, what Ross is doing at Masaka. And I know that, Michael, you were very quick to make sure that that was the case, you know, that we continue that 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 train. Um, well, in, like, so, in, in so doing, you're supporting Armani. We see it as yeah, different. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, we really feel there's, you know, I, I'm personally really excited about where this journey is going to take us over these, you know, kind of coming months and into years. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we can come and join one of these uh, races sometime. Um, but, you know, Michael, you know, I, I, I don't say this for words sake. I think you're doing amazing things. And I know you're, you know, a very humble person, um, but it's it's just, it's, you know, it's great. And it's it's an honor to be, you know, partnering up with, with somebody like yourself, because uh, I, I think the potential of what's going on here is really significant. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, Jordan, believe me, the honor and the appreciation is all ours. And we're very happy to have Jiro Cycles on board. And, and thank you so much for having the insights and, and, and the compassion to, to get involved. In. And we really hope that... Uh, that your community buys into this and, um, and and gets involved in any way, even if it's just joining our Thursday nights, you know, uh, e, yeah. e, e ride, um, anything, you know, yeah, it, we, we appreciate, we appreciate the engagement and uh, we're very much looking forward to a partnership going forward. Cool. And we'll, uh, we'll put all the links into everything that we, you know, spoke about in the description below for, for Armani, Masaka, uh, the, the uh, gravel race, which sounds amazing. I'm very jealous. I, I, I hope to, uh, I hope to get out there, out there and do it. Although I'm not so excited about the animals, but hey ho. Um, but Michael, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.